Good morning. We want to welcome you to Barrel Life Church. We want to welcome everybody to our Moorhead campus. But I want you to know this if you're visiting with us, if you're first time or first time in a long time, we are actually one church and three locations. We have our Grayson campus and our Ashland campus. Can we get it for our Ashland and Grayson campus? Come on, man. I'm telling you, that's exciting. Next week, we're officially launching there in, in the Ashland area. We kick off a brand new series called Cross Eagles Love. It's gonna go all the, way in to, uh, all the way into Easter. And after Easter, I wasn't gonna share, but I, just, I can't help it, I gotta go in and share this. But on, on April the 24th, this is Sunday after Easter, one of my mentors and great friends are gonna be here. Uh, I don't know, you, I'm sure you've heard of him. If you're not, you know probably where his church is located. Uh, but he has pastored one of the largest churches, actually a top 10 church in the United States, church membership of 25,000 people with several campuses in Louisville, Kentucky. He is Bob Russell, the pastor, the retired pastor of Southeast Christian Church. He is going to be right here preaching at Better Life Church on April 24th, and that is a Sunday, trust me, that you don't wanna miss. He is just this unbelievable man of God. He's been a very great mentor and coach to me, invited me into his house, and we had dinner with him and his lovely wife, and so I'm super excited that he is gonna be here at Better Life Church. I mean, I know it may not do nothing for you guys, but I mean, I'm so so excited and pumped for him to be uh, worse with us that day. Well, we finished up our series called Relationships. And, and before we jump into that, because today's message is going to affect your, anybody's relationship, no matter what type of relationship you may be in. Friendship, co-worker, boss, it doesn't matter. But I, I, want, I want to go ahead and just take one more commercial break here and share with you. It's not too late to register for Marriage Night. And I want to encourage you to come. If you're a married couple, please, you need to sign up, be part of this. It starts at 6. It may last an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. If I have two or three cups of coffee, we could go a little longer. But it's okay. You can pray for me on that. And uh, I, I, if you're here and your marriage is like, you're doing good. Like right now, things are cool. Like marriage is good. Life's good. I mean, kids obey. Even the, the cat's obeying. You know what I'm saying? Like life is good right now for you. If that's you, please, you need to come and be part of this. If you're here and say, hey, we're not like, you know, not real bad. We're kind of like roommates. We kind of like just get along, but maybe the, the fire, the sparks is kind of not there. We just go, hey, well, you know, we're okay, we're cordial. But if that's you, you need to be here. If you're sitting here and you're frustrated with your marriage, you're like, man, we just, how can we not communicate? How are we not getting on the same page? Why we always fight and argue over and you fill in the blank? If that's you, please, you need to be here. Tonight's really gonna help you. And if you're here and you're thinking about this, throwing the towel in. I'm done. I don't know if I love them anymore. It's just it. I, I'm, I throw the towel in. I, I'm ready to move on. If that's you, please give tonight a chance and come. And listen, you can invite somebody with you. You don't have to be a member of Better Life Church or whatever to be part of this. If you have married couple friends who are like, hey, I want you to come with me to this, let them register. You know, tell them to text marriage to our BLC text line. And we love to host and have them here. We have I forgot how many, uh, Pastor Adam just told me, but I think 170 people, 140 some people already, you know, just here coming. So I'm telling you, it's gonna be an amazing night for married couples. And so here's something I know about every single one of us. Every one of us in this room and watching and at one of our campuses as well. Every one of us have been hurt by somebody. Maybe someone said something to you, someone done something to you, but I know this about every single one of us in here. We all have been hurt by someone. Here's something else I know about you. You have or you will hurt someone yourself. There's someone in your life that you've probably hurt. You've probably said something to them you probably shouldn't have said. You've done something you should, probably shouldn't have done. And I know this about every single one of us. We have hurt people and people have hurt us. If you've been old enough to, to gone through life a little bit, you will realize that. People will hurt you and you have been hurt and you have hurt someone yourself. And so there's a word that I think is really misapplied, misunderstood, especially in our culture today, and that word is forgiveness. What does it truly mean to forgive? 
Now, no matter what type of relationship that you're in, forgiveness is key to most all your relationship because you will be hurt and someone will hurt you. And the reality and the sad thing is sometimes it's the closest people to us, the ones that we take for granted, the ones that we hurt, the one honestly sometimes we love the most. And so I know you don't wanna be like that. I know you don't always wanna be hurting the people around you, but sometimes we'll take that for granted to the people we love the most. And this word forgiveness, I think, is so misapplied and so misunderstood in our culture that I wanna walk you through really quick just a couple of statements. And I want you to answer in your mind, please don't say these out loud, do you believe these statements are true or do you believe these statements are false? Here's the first one. A person should not be forgiven until they ask for it. You should not forgive someone unless they come and ask you to forgive them. Second one, forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain's cause. That means it's ignoring the offense, ignoring the pain. That is because if you're truly gonna forgive them, then you gotta just minimize it and you got to ignore the pain. Three, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. If I'm truly gonna forgive someone, then I have to restore the trust and I have to reconcile or reunite the relationship. True or false? And then the last one, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten. And until you forget, you really truly haven't forgiven. Now, based on how you were raised, based on how your worldview is, and based on how much pain you've gone through in your life will determine probably how you answered those questions. But when you read the Bible, and when you go through the Bible and see what the Bible says about forgiveness, here's what you'll discover, that all four of those statements are false. Every one of those are false according to the Scripture. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and I want you to see this. This is an imperative in the Greek language. What I mean by that, this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not, hey, if you feel like it, this is a command from Jesus to us as believers. Paul writes, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That we're to forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. So here's my question. Why is it so hard to forgive? Why is it so hard to forgive people when they hurt us? We've all been hurt, but why is it so difficult to forgive the people who've hurt us, who have wronged us? In fact, I believe that learning forgiveness may be one of the most difficult, most difficult lessons to learn in the Christian life. Because it's very difficult to forgive those who hurt you. Why? Well, here's a few reasons. One, it goes against our fallen nature. You see, when you were born into this world, a sinful nature was passed onto you, and that sinful nature in you is to retaliate, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. You talk about my mama, I talk about your mama, right? You say bad words to me, I'm gonna say bad words to you. You write bad things about me on Facebook, pff, I'm gonna write bad things about you on Facebook, right? I mean, our nature is to retaliate when someone hurts us or wrongs us, when something comes after us. It's, our nature says, I will get even with you. You hurt me, you wrong me, and I'm gonna get you back. It's in our nature. So we got that going against us. Number one, our nature. Two, it requires us to trust that God will just that God will bring justice to the situation. It requires us to trust in the justice of God in that scenario. Paul writes in Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge. Oops, that's hard, right? Don't take revenge. Watch what it says. But you gotta leave room. Leave room for God's justice. Leave room for God's wrath. Here's what I mean by that. Every single thing that's been done to you, every person who's done something, will give an account for the wrong that they've done. It does not go unnoticed, 
Most people might not know the whole story. They might not know your side, but they know their side, but not that side, but this side. And listen to me, listen to me. At the end, of, God knows both sides. And he says, leave a little bit of room for my judgment, for my justice, for my wrath in that scenario. So this is really difficult because that don't feel right to us. We, don't, we feel like we should do something about it. It's not fair that I just gotta wait for God to do something. I'm gonna take it to my own hands and I'm gonna do something about it. But the reality is we have to trust and the justice of God when it comes to these problems that when we're hurt. Here's another one that I wanna share with you real quick. Some people may not know or heard of this before, but not knowing what your apology language is. Now, I've preached before several, I've preached before about your love language. Everyone has a love language. So tonight, our marriage night, we're gonna review those really quick because I think it's very important. Most spouse, a lot of people I've talked to, they don't even know each other's spouse's love language. Everybody has a love language. Do you know what yours is? Gary Chapman wrote a beautiful book called The Five Love Languages. You could go online, it's completely free. It takes you about eight minutes to take the test and it'll tell you what your love language is. You know what the crazy thing is, me and my wife? We're both so far opposite, it's not even funny. Her love language is acts of service. Like she wants, listen, she, when I, if I do dishes, mm, you know what I'm saying? Like that's good right there, no. When, that's the act of service. Guess what I scored in acts of service? Zero. Zero. So mine's words of affirmation. So that I'm, and what happens, you speak out of your love language. So I'm always affirming her. I'm like, girl, you're so beautiful. You're so fine. Mm, girl, oh, you, I love you, girls. Oh, you, you don't know what you do to me. And she's like, okay, go follow some clothes. <laughs> like, 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 like what? Like I'm words of affirmation. Just tell me you love me. Just tell me, you know? I just wanna hear it because I'm always saying it to her. Like she's probably the most affirmed woman on the planet and it does nothing for her. I'll never forget, this is God is my witness. We were driving to church one day and we was coming around. We got off the interstate and she was driving. I don't know, for some reason she was driving that morning. She normally doesn't drive, but she was driving that morning. And I looked at her and I, and I said, Leanne, I said, listen, if I could do this all over, I would marry you. You're the prettiest, finest thing I've laid in my eyes. I can't believe I'm your husband. I can't believe God blessed me with someone like you. I can't believe I get to spend the rest of my life with you. If I could do this all over, I would say yes again, yes again, a thousand, thousand times. And as God is my witness, she turns and she looks at me and she goes, now where are we eating after church? <laughs> if she would have said that to me, I would have pulled over and cried right there. You know what she got on her score on words of affirmation? Zero. And somehow we make it work. How do you make it work? See, people are opposites. Sometimes that's how it goes. Are you making sure you communicate? Talk about that time. You don't want to miss it. But just as everybody has a love language, listen, people have an apology language. You just can't say to somebody, I'm sorry. Because some people won't receive that. I'm sorry. I know you're sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, no, but they don't receive it. And so I don't have time to break all these down. In fact, I could do a whole entire message on the apology language. But let me just read these off to you, five apologies. And so this will help a lot of you when you have conflict in relationships. The reason why, like, how can we haven't got past this yet is you may not understand each other's apology language as well. For instance, here's one, requesting forgiveness. And that is this, if you've hurt me, do you, this person who's been hurt, they just want you to come up and say this, will you forgive me? I'm gonna request you to forgive me. I'm not gonna just come and say, I'm sorry. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, will you forgive me for hurting you? Some people, that's their language. They just need to be requested. You just need to be asked, will you forgive me? And that's enough. A second one would be expressing regrets. This is emotional hurt. This is mine. This is mine. You don't have to make it up to me. You don't have to even come and tell me. I just want you to know that you hurt emotionally because I'm hurting emotionally. 
And if I hurt, I just want to know that you're hurting because I'm hurting. If that's it, we're good. That's mine. Just emotional regret that you, you have expressing this regret. For some of you, it's just accepting responsibility. That's when you just want to hear somebody come up to you and say this, I'm wrong and you're right. In fact, that statement right there, men, will go a long way in your marriage. You better write that down, take notes. I'm wrong, you're right. And for some of you, that's all you need to hear. Okay, as long as you know that you were wrong, I'm okay. I can walk this out. I'm cool with it. For some of you, it's making restitution. This is the person who comes out and says, listen, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll make it up to you. I, I promise. I'll wash dishes. I'll clean. I'll take the kids to school. Like, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll even walk the dog if you need me to. Like, I will do whatever. It, this is the person who wants to make restitution for the problem that they caused. I will make it up to you. And for some of you, that's your language. That's all you need to know. Okay, you make it up. You make it up to me. And if you can make it up to me, then, you know, whatever it may be. For some of you, that's your language. And then for lastly, this is the person who genuinely repents. They express the desire to change. This is the person who says, listen, I wronged you. I'm sorry for wronging you. I've repented of my sin for hurting you, and I am going to change. I'm going to be a new person now. You're never going to hear me do this anymore. I'm not going to say this anymore. I'm not going to act this way anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to try that anymore. I won't go there anymore. This is the person with genuine repentance that expresses this. Now, every one of us have that type of language, and you receive it differently. When you understand, watch this, your love language, how you're wired, and your apology language, how you accept forgiveness in your wired. Listen, this can change the game in your relationships. But most people, honestly, they don't take time to study each other and understand that language. And that's just not even marriage. That's in friendship. That could be boss to, to employee to employer, the coworkers. They've hurt you. They've wronged. They said something behind your back. How do, you, how do you walk through these things? So here's a few lessons I want to share with you when it comes to this topic of forgiveness. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, five of you. There we go. Here we go. We're going to walk through this. I'm just messing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness relinquished the rights to retaliate. Forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate against you. When I forgive you, I'm going to throw all my rights out the door to come back and to retaliate, to attack back at you. Here's what it's doing. It's admitting, it's saying this, I've been wronged and you've hurt me and you've hurt me bad, but I'm going to give up my right to hurt you. Imagine if we would just accept that. You've hurt me, and it's wrong what you said, but I'm gonna give up my rights to retaliate to hurt you back. You see how that goes against our nature? You throw a stone, I throw a stone. You say words, I'm gonna say words. You get loud, I'm gonna get louder. You get louder, I'm gonna get louder. And we'll see, you can shout each other down as if that calms it and controls the situation, and it doesn't fix it at all. Actually, it makes it worse. But I'm gonna give up my rights. It's the thought of having this. I have the right, and you deserve to be punished. You deserve to hurt the way that I've been hurt. But I'm gonna give up the right, and I'm gonna hold the pain. I'm gonna take the pain upon myself instead of inflicting pain back to you. Let's go back to what Paul writes in Romans 12. Do not take revenge. Learn to leave room for God's wrath. So I'm gonna relinquish my right to take revenge back against you. Here's a second lesson of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean you forget. What a cliche, right? Forgive and forget. Just forgive and forget. How do you forgive and forget? You just go, oh, just forgive and forget. You hear a guy just kind of says, man, every time me and my wife get an argument, man, she gets hysterical. I mean, she's just hysterical. And the other guy says, hey, when me and my wife get into a fight, she gets historical. She keeps saying, remember last month? Remember three months ago? 
hey, remember when you did this? See, you're laughing because some of you got some history when wives are here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get historical. And the guy's like, I told you I was sorry. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not ready to move on yet. We got to talk about this. Well, sorry enough? I guess not. See, you can remember it and still forgive, but if you keep bringing it back up and reliving it, especially verbally and talking about it, it's because you haven't dealt with it yet. You need to learn how to, how are you gonna deal with that problem? You've not solved the issue that happened three months ago that you keep bringing back up. You need to learn how, how do I work through that together? In fact, how do you keep driving down the road? I like to say this all the time, and look it in your rear view mirror and look in your rear view mirror and see your past. We all have a past. And the problem is, I'm always gonna remember the past. In fact, the people who've hurt you the most, you will probably remember to the day you die. The scars that you have received in the battles and the things that happened in your life, you probably won't forget those. So how can I keep moving forward with the destiny that God has for me, but in my rearview mirror, always see my past? And so I always teach people all the time, I say all the time, listen, you gotta stop and deal with When my past begins to affect my future or affect today how I live or affect my new relationship, then I gotta learn to go back and figure out how do I deal with my past? How do I deal this and unpack this? In fact, the real challenge is to forgive even when you don't forget. Even when it's a constant thing for you, at least when it happened. For some of you right now, you're still replaying things that happened 20 years ago. And when someone talks about it today, it even still makes you mad, it still makes you angry. That is a sign that you've not dealt with it. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger blocks. Anger is a protector. Anger says, and almost every single time there's anger issues, every single time anger comes up, it's because there's a wound and a hurt there that has not been dealt with. And I hear people, because usually it's the guy, and I'm not, I'm not stereotyping, usually the guy, my husband's just so mad, he's always angry. He's got anger issues. He needs anger management. Anger's not his issue. He was hurt and wounded, and he's not dealt with it yet. You can't hide behind anger anymore. Why well, just blow up, man? I'm just getting mad all the time. It's got short fuse. It's because you haven't dealt with your problems. And sir, you do have a problem when you have a short fuse. You gotta figure out how do I work through that. Something hurt you or wronged you. In fact, listen, if you don't deal with this now, you're gonna turn into a very old, bitter, angry person. When you find an old person who is just so bad at the world and so bitter all the time, like nobody wants to be around, they're so mean, Almost every time it's because something happened in their past that they never dealt with and they festered, they let it fester in their heart. And now their heart has been hardened to this anger and bitterness. You don't wanna become that person. So you gotta figure out how do I unpack my past, how do I deal with it and face reality and learn how to forgive so it doesn't affect today. I can't change yesterday. I can't change what happened to me. I can't change what I did to somebody that I hurt. You may have hurt someone intentionally or not even intentionally, and you still hurt them. I can't go back and fix or change all that. So how do I fix today the problem so I can move forward living with the life that God has for me? And so you need to work through that. Listen, just because you forgive doesn't mean you're gonna forget. In fact, you probably never forget. And that's the biggest challenge. How do I make sure that I forgive? Here's the third lesson. Forgiveness does not remove the consequences of your sins. Just because you're being forgiven doesn't remove the consequences of your sin. God has built in consequences to all the sins that we could commit. There's consequences in it. Let me give you an example. This is a harsh one, but this will be reality. Sir, you chose to cheat on your wife and you left her. And now because of that, she may have forgiven you 
And if you truly repented and given your life to Jesus and truly repented, he will forgive you. But here's your consequence. You get to see your kids every other weekend now because of your decision. And I know what happens because every time married couples come into office, they, they, they come in cordially and I, I see right now. And all it says is, here's what they say. I know I'm not perfect, but, and then they have all these accusations why it's their fault. And then you listen and you go to the other person, they say, listen, what he said, some of that is true, I'm not perfect, but, and then they give all the accusations why they're wrong. And they won't accept responsibility and they won't begin to work through it because they got this lens that they're the problem. And so now there's consequences to the decisions that we make. Doesn't mean you're not forgiven. Listen, some of you, there's been things in your past that you've done and God has completely 100% forgiven you. You're a heaven bound, you're a child of God. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. But today, while you're still on earth, you're gonna walk out some of the consequences you did years ago. That's life. Doesn't mean you're not forgiven. But there are, the reason I said it, because so many people think, well, God's not forgiving me because there's still consequences. Consequences is not, God's like, God's not cursing you because of what you've done. Jesus took your punishment. He became your curse on the cross. God's like, there's consequences to your sin and you're just, you're forgiven. You're totally forgiven. But there's consequences that you need to walk out. And so you gotta understand that just because I'm forgiven. That may help some of you because some of you right now, you, because you have consequences, you thought that maybe I haven't forgiven or they haven't forgiven me. Yes, you're forgiven. But there are consequences to the sins in our lives. Here's the fourth lesson I wanna teach you about forgiveness. And that is forgiveness does not rebuild trust instantly. Forgiveness doesn't rebuild, rebuild trust instantly. Now this was a tough one. It's usually the lady who has, talks about this. When in any relationship, forgiveness doesn't mean I trust them instantly. Which means this, you can forgive someone and not trust them. You can forgive them and not trust them. And this is where usually the ladies, they feel guilty. Like, I don't feel guilty because I can't trust him. Or I don't trust because this happened or whatever situation happened in your relationship. You can forgive and not trust. Forgiveness is a doorway that opens up the door to the possibility to rebuild, to rebuild trust and reconciliation. It's a possibility. And what happens is the person who offended them or the person who did the wrong, if you want that person to trust you, you gotta learn to be trustworthy. So let me give you an example. Something happened in a relationship and so she's texting going, hey, where are you? Well, I'm here at the, at the gym. Okay, that's not bad, it's a couple days ago by. Hey, where are you? Why do you keep asking me where I'm at? How come you keep checking up on me? Sir, because she don't trust you. If you want her to trust you, you gotta be trustworthy. You got to rebuild the trust, which means this. Honey, here's my phone. You could look at anything you want, anything you want. Listen to me, if you're a married couple and you're spouse does not know the password to your phone and you won't give them to them, listen to me, ladies or man, something's wrong. You want a real bill of trust? My phone, you got access to it 24-7. You can check anything you wanna check, you wanna look. You want my laptop? You got, the, you got the password to my laptop. You can look what you wanna look at, check what you wanna check. I've got nothing to hide. If you wanna text me every 30 minutes to ask me where I'm at, I will tell you why, because I want to rebuild back the trust that I've broken. See, guys don't work that way. Like, what do you mean? I told you I was sorry. Told you I won't do it again. Why are you checking up on you? Frustrating. You're, you're running me away. Sir, that's your fault. Rebuild back trust. I know I'm just picking on a guy. Same can happen with the ladies as well. And this could be back in any relationship, not just your marriage relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean you absolutely have to trust right now. You got to rebuild back the trust of the circumstance of the situation that happened in your life. And you don't have to feel guilty about that. This takes time to rebuild back trust. 
And if you want to be trusted, you need to learn how to be trustworthy and say, okay, you can trust me. Check what you want, anything you want. I'm an open book. Whatever you want, wherever you need, here I am. And then the fifth and final lesson is this. Forgiveness doesn't always result in reconciliation. You can forgive people and the relationship may be severed and there's no reconciliation. Now, you will try, but does it mean because you forgive someone it's gonna be reconciled? You know, the Bible tells us that as Christians, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which means we should try our best to reconcile relationships. Not just marriage, it means relationships. When you hurt people, wrong people, you tell them you're sorry. In fact, you remember Jesus said, listen, if someone sinned against you and you got a thought against your brother, you leave your uh, uh, offering at the altar and you go and you do your very best to reconcile and you go try to make it right. You hurt somebody, you try to make it right. You offend somebody, you try to make it right. You do the right thing. But if you try, try, and try, and try, and try, and the person don't wanna reconcile, doesn't mean you haven't forgiven or have not been forgiven. It just means the relationship won't continue on. But I don't believe any marriage is too far gone. Like if you're gonna be around me and you got married problems, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you as much hope as I can possibly give you. I believe that God can, if he can raise his son from the dead, he can raise your marriage from the dead. I believe, we have a lady in our church, she's a, she's a friend of ours, and, and so she cracks me up with top. And, and I thought she was joking at first, but she's actually serious. And she says, she goes, I talk about my husband, she goes, I'm the only person that ever married him twice. And I said, wait a minute, she goes, we got married and got divorced, and then we got married, and then we got divorced again, and now we're happily married again. I'm like, that's tenacity. I mean, that'll work, right? That'll preach, like, y'all need to come do marriage now. How's that work? At least you kept going after it, right? At least you kept working on it. And so what I'm trying to say is some of you are like, you're ready to throw the towel in, but there's hope. And I know I'm just talking about marriage, but this, this forgiveness language and stuff is any relationship. You will be hurt in this world. And the sad thing is, directly or indirectly, you will hurt people. And so in your relationships, you gotta figure out how do we walk through forgiveness? But here's the question. What if I don't wanna forgive them? What if I don't wanna forgive them? See, some of you, you will not forgive because you think if you forgive them, they get off scot-free. They get off and there's no penalty. There's like, that, that's not right. They don't deserve my forgiveness. And listen to me. Why hold a debt? That's what forgiveness is, is a debt. They got a debt. Why hold a debt over their head that they cannot repay? They can't go back and make up for it. They can't go back and fix it, especially if it's been years. And some of you are holding on to a scar, a pain, a situation, a word, a broken right, something in your life and just by talking about right now it makes you upset. And you're holding a debt over their head that they can never repay. And you know if I forgive them, then they get away with it. And the only thing that makes me feel good inside is that knowing I'm mad at them. Think about that for a moment. That's exactly what the enemy wants. So let me speak to you if you're a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you don't wanna forgive, here's what you need to know about this scripture. Your heavenly Father commands you to forgive. It's not an option. It's not like, well, if I feel like it, you have been commanded. It is a command from God to every one of us who are believers. Paul writes in Colossians 3.13, it says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. See what he says, make an allowance. What are you saying? Makes a surplus. Build some surplus in your life so that when someone takes a withdrawal from you and they hurt you, you always have an allowance. You have a surplus to cover it. 
because in this world, you're gonna be hurt. And then forgive anyone who offends you. Could you imagine when this lost and broken world looks at a group of believers or an individual who's been hurt and everyone, they've got all their friends and they've got the world. They said, you deserve, that's right. You deserve a better marriage. You deserve a better spouse. You deserve a better job. You deserve a better boss. You don't deserve a relationship. You, don't, you need to cut that relationship off. You deserve better. And all this is coming in. You're like, you're right, I do, I do. But I'm gonna give up my rights to retaliate. I'm going to forgive and do everything I can to reconcile the relationship. What do you think the world would say when I see a group of people living like that? So if you're God and you know that, what would you tell your children? Listen, in this world, you're gonna have trouble and you're gonna be hurt. You can overcome this world because Jesus says, I'm an overcomer. And I'm gonna talk about this in our next series. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they do. If he can forgive and he can forgive us, what leads to my second point is that he has forgiven us of everything. Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Look what he says, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Think about that. You know what my motivation is to forgive? Because I've been forgiven. And if I've been forgiven, how can I not forgive those who have hurt me? When, when the, the scripture says, the scripture says about my sin, that when I gave my life to Jesus, he took my sin and he cast them as far as the east is to the west, which means it's infinite. There's no connection. As far as the east is to the west, that he took the sins from my life, the scripture tells me, and he threw them into the depths of the ocean to sink to the bottom. He says, though my sins were like scarlet, he has cleaned them and wiped them and made them as white as snow. He says that I take your sins and I choose to, because I'm God, to remember them no more. He says, I take your sins and, and, and what joy for those whose record of sin has been cleared off. Like God has expunged your account. Now, now think about this. Um, somebody says, excuse me, could you go grab Daniel's file, please? He was born in 97 and I'm in mean, 77 and I don't know what day the Lord takes me home, but imagine now I've already passed away. And somebody said, could you go grab his file for me? And he grabbed his file and he opens up the file and he says, I want you to read of all the sins you've ever done in his life. And of course, if I'm standing, I'm like, oh, snap, man, I'm in trouble, dog. No, it's crazy, it's crazy. And he pulls out the file and he pulls out a blank white sheet of paper and said, there's none. I'm shocked, you're shocked, we're shocked. What do you mean there's none? And Jesus is like, that's right. Because he gave his life to me. And I took all the sin away. And I put them in my file. And I gave him a credit. And he, I took all his sins so that he could be made white as snow. So that he could be clean and he can go and spend eternity with my father. I took his punishment. Listen, knowing that, how in the world do I keep a record of wrong for you? How in the world do I keep a list of what you've done to me when God has wiped my list clean? How would I say, you know what? I've been forgiven, I'm gonna forgive you. And folks, listen, that's one of the hardest things to practice. I have practiced that in my own life. I didn't show this in the first service, but I show this in the second. 
You know, when I was, a, my dad was a pastor and my mom and dad, when I was younger, they, they got divorced and I wasn't really raised around church. I, I went to church. I knew a little bit about it, but I wasn't raised in church, but I gave my life to Jesus September the 2nd, 1997. And I was sitting in Applebee's in Christmas of 2000. And my dad came up from North Carolina and we were exchanging gifts. And me and him were sitting in a car and I looked over at my dad. I said, Dad, I just want you to know, you know that one time that I remember, you've never asked me to forgive you for not being there, ball games, taking me fishing, teaching me how to be a man. Once every year I maybe saw you. Not one time have you ever asked me to forgive you. And I looked at him. And I said, Dad, I just want you to know you don't have to ask me. I forgive you. And I went on and said, I cannot hold a debt over your head that you can never repay me. You can't go back and make up for it. You can't go back and change it. You can't even go back and fix it. But I want you to know, you don't have to ask me. I forgive you. Because you will not believe just a couple years ago, God took a wicked sinner, messed up person like me, and I confessed all my sins to him. And you know what? He forgave me of all my sins I've ever done. How in the world can I not forgive you? And that moment was the turning point in our relationship. So I want you to know this. As hard as it is, I practice what I'm preaching. I understand what it's like to walk through and you have to forgive people. You're gonna be hurt. And you're gonna hurt someone. This word forgiveness, we better learn what it truly looks like and means. And if you do, that's one of the best relationships I can share with you for your relationships. I'm gonna ask you what about your heads. Couple things. One, I know just talking about this brings up some stuff from your past. You've been hurt by your family member, you've been hurt by a spouse, you've been hurt by a friend, a boss, a coworker, a best friend, whatever it may be. There's somebody in your life and it's brought it back up. Now, how are you gonna respond to that? Do you know that right now where you're sitting, you can choose to forgive? Forgiveness is not for them, forgiveness is for you. You can choose right now to forgive someone who's hurt you and wronged you. Some of you, you're the one who's hurt somebody. And maybe when we leave your day, you need to pick the phone up or call somebody or text someone and say, hey, you know what? I know I've hurt you and wronged and I just wanna know I'm sorry. And ask for forgiveness. And for some of you, you hear me talk about Jesus and God and you talk about the sin and the guilt that you carry, the greatest thing you need today is for God to forgive you of all your sin. Listen, saying a prayer will not save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And right where you said, you could say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And right now, I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Now come and live in my life and help me live for you. Listen, if that's you, 
man, way to go. I am so happy and proud of you. Host or your campus pastor is gonna come out just in a moment and share with you your next steps. And when you can experience the unconditional love and forgiveness of God, listen, how in the world can we not forgive those who hurt us? And when the world sees that, we hope and pray that people begin to be drawn to Jesus because of his love and his grace and his mercy. Watch this, through you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how relevant it is today. Easy to preach, hard to practice. But God, through your grace and your mercy that's new every day, we get to start over. We can't change the past, but we can change today. And we'll change how to respond. We're not gonna let our past dictate our future. I'm not gonna let my past ruin my new relationship. I'm gonna work through this. I'm gonna figure it out. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to guide and direct us in all that we do. Through your name we ask and we pray, amen.